Lord, we are grateful for your mercy and your kindness. You are good to us. What, what a gift is the gift of fellowship. And that, that gift is only attained because you have fellowship with us. And we are part of your body. And even though we can be from different places and different backgrounds, the cross makes us one. So we are grateful for your mercy and your kindness. Lord, speak to us. Speak to us through your word that we can be more like you through your spirit. In your name we pray. Amen. Uh, if you can open your Bibles, we're going to be in Colossians 4. And we're going to be reading through as we go uh, through the sermon. And we're going to be from 7 to the end of the chapter. And uh, it's a nine. It's not point sermon. It's more like images. So Hispanics, we preach long, but don't worry. I'm going to, to keep it short. There's, there's nine short images that we're going to see on how Paul is related with the church as he is saying goodbye in the Colossian uh, letter. And he has different relationships that are appearing. And we see the gospel working as he's relating with different people. And an amateur treasure hunter armed with a metal detector found over 52,000 Roman coins from the Roman times. And they were, they were valued at over $1 million. They were buried in a field. And this is one of the largest uh, such findings ever found in the UK, say the British Museum. Dave Chris, a hospital chef, came across the buried treasure while searching for metal objects in a field near from in southwestern England. You, you guys have been maybe to the ocean and you have seen some of these people with those, those things, you know, and they're going beep, 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 beep. They, they look a little weird, most of them. You know, a lot of them are retired <laughs> and, and, you know, they have much to do and they're like, every day they go there and they're finding for something and, and you know, you're relaxing and you're like, what is doing working, you know, while in the ocean? But every once in a while, they may find a treasure. They may find something that is worth the effort. And it takes risk to do that. It takes risk to go and try to find a treasure. It takes the risk of mocking. I am pretty sure that a lot of people are like making fun of them or they're going, you know. A lot of them have like weird hair. I don't know what's happened with that. It may take the risk of defeat, not finding anything. It may take the risk of failure. And we live constantly measuring risk. That's the way what we live. You, we are constantly measuring risk. If we're going to change our work, we're trying to measure what's the risk that it's going to take, how this is going to affect us, how we spend our finances. We're measuring risk in most of the decisions that we make. And many times, we don't take the risk in relationships. We don't take the risk to relate to others because we're measuring too much. What is the risk? How am I going to be hurt? What is going to happen if I open myself to others? Maybe we're revisiting all experiences. And that's not allowing us to take the risk. And maybe not finding a true treasure as we relate with others to the gospel. Many times we transfer past experiences to the relationship of the present. And we cannot see to the future 
because of what happened to us in the past. And that many times close, close us, make us like lean back instead of lean forward to our relationship. We do not open to others. We don't live in real community. And we do not experience the richness of the gospel because we don't take the risk. Because we don't jump in into relationships. Because taking that risk will make us vulnerable. Wow, I say that. <laughs> will put us in a position that maybe we will be damaged. And Paul, through the gospel, he will continue to take the risk and relate to others, making himself more vulnerable because he was aware of the gospel and because he wanted to relate to see the gospel move forward. We, many times, when we're measuring our relationships, we take the gospel away. And we're just measuring through what is the risk or what is what's going to happen to me or what is the gain. Instead of having the gospel be the one that allows us to make the decision to take the risk and relate to others. In the, in the letter of the Colossians, Paul is teaching the Colossian church that there may be uh, false teachers coming, that be careful about the false teachers. And these false teachers are teaching something. Christ is great, but you need something else. And Paul is telling them, no, 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 no. Christ is supreme. If you have Christ, you are complete. You don't need anything else. And later on, he's telling, because Christ is, is everything that you need, live a life that reflects Christ. Take away sin and put away the image of Christ. And then you see that he, he moved to relationships. How you relate to your wife, how you relate to your son, and how you relate in your community. And ending this letter, he's, he's saying bye to all his friends in the Colossian church. And he's, he's, he's doing like a, putting together so many relationships in so many, in so little words. Have you guys seen lately the Ice Bucket Challenge? Everybody has seen that. But from that, a lot of people are doing the Burst Challenge. Are challenging each other to put their favorite Burst out there in, in Facebook. I'm sure nobody will pick Colossians 4, 17 to 18. It's one of those verses that we skim over. Oh, yeah, he's saying bye to people. He's, he's, let's, let's move to the next letter. Let's move to 1 Thessalonians. But there's a richness of the gospel that we see in these verses. Because the reason these verses are here is because of the richness of the gospel in the life of Paul and in the life of those he was relating with. We see the beauty of the gospel in these verses because we see the gospel being made real in the community. Paul took the risk. Many times he was wounded. He was abandoned. But he continued in gospel-driven relationships. So we're going to see nine images that we see from these verses. When we are in gospel-driven relationships, number one, we think about others. We think about others. Verse 7. Let me tell you something. When Larry told me to preach this passage, the one thing I was concerned was some of the names of these brothers are kind of impossible to, 
to pronounce. Tikikus, that's the way I can do, will tell you all about my activities. He's, belo he's a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. That he may encourage your hearts. Paul is in prison. Paul is in prison. It's not very good for him at this moment. If I was Paul, I would send like a self-pity kind of message. Poor me. But he's thinking about others because he's in a gospel-driven relationship. And he's saying, I'm sending you this brother so that you guys may be encouraged. I'm in prison, and that may discourage you guys. But I, I want to tell you guys, because the gospel is in my life, things are great. They may not look great, but they're great. And I want you guys to be encouraged. I don't want you guys to be uh, uh, down. Or, 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 or maybe uh, thinking about, about living the faith or trying to follow these false teachers. No, I want you guys to be encouraged. So I'm in prison. I'm doing very badly. And Paul is thinking about them. Because he's in a gospel-centered relationship. He's not thinking about him. He's not thinking how they may encourage him. He's thinking how he can encourage them. It's not a self-pity. He's not taking out the violin. You guys know the violin, you know, and I'm playing all oh, poor me. He's thinking, I want to encourage you guys. I want you guys to thrive in the gospel. He's suffering, give encouragement, because he's living for the glory of God to the power of the gospel. And he wants that church to know that. Do, do you see what is Paul kind of giving an emphasis. He wants to protect the church. He's not aware of himself. He's aware of others. So when we are in gospel-driven relationship, we think of others. We don't think about ourselves. When we're in gospel-driven relationships, number two, and we're going to move quickly, there are nine of them, we are all equal. We are all equal. We are all equal. Colossians 4, 9. And with him... Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of you, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Bible trivia, whoever gets it right, he will get a pumpkin pie. <laughs> we, we all know Onesimus. You know, you know where he comes from? Philemon. In the Philemon letter, uh, Paul is writing to Philemon because Onesimus, what is Onesimus? A slave. And that's in the society he was under. He wasn't in the same position as everybody else. And it's glorious to see how Paul talked about Onesimus to the church uh, of the Colossian church. Who is one of you? It's the same. He's not different. They knew he was a slave. They knew he has run away. He had a past. Onesimus had a past. And he's saying, forget about his past. He's now a new creature in Christ. He's one of you. And that's how we relate. You know, maybe when, when Onesimus came, people were like, you know, holding to their purses or something like that. Or, okay, sit in the back or, you know, don't, don't, don't get too close to each other. No, 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 no. He's one of us. At the foot 
of the cross in gospel-driven relationship, we are the same. We're not different. We're not Puerto Ricans. We're not Americans. We're not from Russia or whatever. We're the same. We're the same. And because the gospel is informing the relationship, we're the same. There's no sovereign grace. There's no illegal immigrants. We are in the gospel. Gospel-driven relationship, we are the same. Gospel-driven relationship, we are family. We are family. Point number three, or, or picture number three, we are family. This one is a little hard. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. When we are in gospel-driven relationship, we love each other. I love in these moments in Scripture that people just pop up. In Romans 16, at the end, the guy that was writing the letter, he said, Hi! He's like, I want to be in Scripture. <laughs> you know? But it's more than that. He's, he's saying, I love the church in Rome. And this brother who was in prison with, 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 uh, with Paul, I, I, he couldn't hold himself. He said, could you please, Paul, there that I say hi. I love them. We're family. We're the same. We're together. Do you guys sometimes feel, if you look around this room, there's no way I will relate with some of these people. We are different. Ages. Likes. You know, one of my best friends, actually, Bob Donahue, is worse. He's a Cowboys fan. <laughs> it's not an Eagles fan. He's a Cowboys fan. It's even worse. He's one of my best friends. I, I can relate with him even though he hasn't grown in sanctification in that area. <laughs> we love each other. We, 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 are, we are more than just people that meet together. We're family. We belong to a body, which is the body of Christ. So we look each other that way. We're one. We're the same. It is amazing that a Puerto Rican, not a Dominican, I'm sorry, it's just an island over, Puerto Rican, is preaching in Claxburg. We're family. Preaching in South Carolina. I thought that they were going to like tell me, okay, you can clean the holes or something like that. We're family. We belong together because of the gospel. Gospel-driven relationship. Number four, there is forgiveness and restoration. There is forgiveness and restoration. There is forgiveness and restoration. Verse 10. And Mark, the cousin, the cousin, the cousin of Bar Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instruction, if he comes to you, welcome him. Bible trivia again. Mark is actually in Acts 13, John Mark. And because of John Mark, she's a cousin of Barnabas, there was a split between Paul and Barnabas. They went different ways. And he said it was a sharp division. And I can see, you know, Barnabas, he, he was his cousin. He, wasn't, he didn't want to leave him behind. There was that kind of, you know, relationship, blood relationship. And he wanted to continue in that. And then uh, 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 we see here there's some kind of restoration working in that relationship. Isn't that amazing? He say, concerning who you have received instructions. Maybe this was related 
to the situation. We don't know. We, we don't know what, what, what were the instructions, but maybe they were related. Paul thought that he wasn't qualified for ministry because in, in, uh, actually in Acts 13, he abandoned them. And then in Acts 15, when they want to move again, that's when Paul says, ah, I, I don't trust the guy right now. He kind of abandoned us. But he said, if he comes to you, welcome him. That's the gospel. If he was like an internal grudge, you say, forget about him. You know? Tell him to, to go to, the nor- to another city. Defend me. And he's saying, no, welcome him. Sometimes it takes time for forgiveness and restoration to happen. But the gospel can do that. There's hope for that. And we know in heaven we're going to be restored with our brothers and sisters, but it can happen now on earth. And Paul is showing how gospel-centered relationship look. He's saying, that happened, but work on him. So do not give up on restoration of relationships. Allow the gospel to continue to inform and give you hope in that. Gospel-centered relationship, we are of encouragement. Number five, we are of encouragement. We are an, an encouragement. Verse 11, and Jesus, who is called Justus, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have been a comfort to me. And they have been a comfort to me. They have me an encouragement. It's, 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 it's interesting because, again, we see here, there has been certain friction between Paul and the people of the circumcision. We saw that in Galatians. There's, there's like some different situation. Acts 15, we see there's, there's different tension going on. And he's saying, even though we think different here, they're encouragement because they're gospel-centered people as I am a gospel-centered people. So we live in community and we're looking to be a, an encouragement of others. So we open ourselves and we live in a life of, of, of community to be encouragement. I remember when my wife Kathy, we planted the church and our second child was born a month after. 18 months apart, so she was taking care of uh, 18 months old and a newborn and she was a Sunday widow. Because I'm, I'm in front leading, the, leading the, 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 the meeting, and she's in the back with two babies. And sometimes she would tell me, why do I go? Why do I go? I'm only changing diapers. All I see is poop. <laughs> you know, reflux, you know. But, you know it's just, and I say, Kathy, your presence is, of an, is an encouragement. You there are changing diapers. Faithfully be part of the community. Being part of the community, that's an encouragement. She's like, I, I hardly get a son in. I hardly get something that you say. I say, no, this is a season. You are encouraging people. So we're always thinking how I am of encouragement. These brothers were of encouragement to, to Paul because the gospel was moving forward. And we're always thinking how I can move forward the gospel in the community. Gospel-centered relationships, we are not self-centered. We're not self-centered. Point number six, or vision number six, we're not self-centered. Epaphras, who seems to be the person that brought the gospel to the Colossian church, 
who is one of you, I love again, who is one of you, the same thing he say about Onesimus. Who is one of you? Everybody is equal. A servant of Christ Jesus, a slave of Christ Jesus. So there's a, a, a word play there with Onesimus and, and Epaphras. It's one of you. He's also a slave, but a slave of Christ. Greets you, always struggling on your behalf in prayers, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. For I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and in Hierapolis. Look at him. Epaphras carrying them in their heart. Epaphras wasn't a self-centered person. He was thinking about that church. And being non-self-centered, the way you're non-self-centered, he was praying for the church. Are you the type of person that always asking for prayer for you? Or the type of person that always wants to pray for others? We, we want others to pray for us. But what, what would what be the thing that will characterize you the most? Are you, can you pray for me? Or are you fast to pray for others? Because you are not just centered in you, in what you need. You are looking to see what others need. And what, what best what can we do to others than pray for them? Pray for each other. We want to, our church to pray for you guys, to pray for seven great churches. We want to, to be people that are outward-oriented, not inward-oriented. Look, at he says he's always struggling. He, he, he looks at prayer sometimes can be this hard practice. You know, it's, it can be a struggle. You know, we, we, we sometimes get sleepy doing prayer or, or we, we, we want to do other things or, or there seems to, to seem other things that we can do best with our time. But he says he's always struggling. He's fighting for you guys because he's oriented toward you guys. His, his, his interest, he has an interest for them. He has worked hard for you. You see, interest is not just a barbecue and spending time together. Interest is praying for each other, carrying our burdens for each other. And look what he's praying for. He's praying the most important prayer that somebody can ask for each one of us, that you may stand mature and fully assured in all the will of God. It's not just praying that your guys will be easy. He's praying that you may be like Christ. Because he's oriented toward them. Do, do we carry people in prayer? Are we always asking how we can bless and pray for others? I, I, I know she doesn't want to, but as, I, as I'm preaching this, I see Sarah, and I know she's a, a woman of prayer that carries people in her heart. And pray for others constantly. As a gospel-oriented person, I'm thinking about others. Gospel relationships, we live in partnership. We live in partnership. Kind of image number seven, we live in partnership. Look, the beloved physician greets you as those demons. Give me my greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea and Nympha, and the church in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, 
have it also read in the church of the Laodicea, and see that you also read the letter from Laodicea. You see what is happening? There's interdependent relationships between churches. He's saying, the letter I sent to you guys, send it to the other church, and the letter that we sent to the other church, get it to you guys. Because what unites our gospel-centered relationships is the gospel. So what I'm sending to them is good for you guys. And what I'm sending to you guys is good to them because what I'm sending is the message of the gospel. And gospel-centered churches relate to each other. We, we don't want to be this closed niche. Sometimes, you know, it can be hard to open up because we, we don't want to take the risk. And he's saying, no, 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 no. We live in partnership. You see, what unites us is Christ and sound doctrine. When this letter has been read among, he knows that this letter is full of sound doctrine, of Christ, of the supremacy of Christ. And he's saying, you guys need that, they also need it. So let's live in, in, in relationship. And this is what's happening. Like my presence here is relationship between two churches. When I meet uh, Larry to bar, he, that boy likes barbecue. <laughs> it's like every time he's let's go to the barbecue place. I'm like, man, let's, let's eat something else. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's interconnections between two churches. And that's what we are in Sovereign Grace. It's a group of churches related to the gospel. And we relate with each other. There's the gospel coalition. There's together for the gospel. There's other relationships that we have. This week, I was with Bob Donahue and their elders in a retreat as pastors, just together, praying, studying God's, God's scripture. Because we relate. Because what is the most important thing? Unite us. And we take the risk and relate together. Gospel relationships. Number eight, we look after each other. We look after each other. Colossians 4.17. And say to our keepers, See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. You see what Paul is doing? He's looking for a brother. I don't know what's happening with our keepers, but he loves our keepers and he's looking after him. You see, he's, he's not just relating to them. He, he knows them. And he knows this, this brother, our keepers, he needs to be encouraged and he wants to encourage him. When we live in relationship, we, we know who missed two Sundays. And we want to be the one taking the initiative of saying, what's going on, brother? How can we pray for you? How can we serve you? We know when somebody's joyful and all of a sudden he comes like a little down. But sometimes we, we live in this culture, you know, we, we, don't, we don't want to enter other people's boundaries. We, we, we want to be careful. We don't want to offend anybody. No, but, uh, uh, Paul is taking the chance. See that he take care of this. Because I love him. Because I look after him, and we look after each other. Gospel-centered relationship, number nine, we live for the gospel. We live for the gospel. Verse 18. I, Paul, write this reading with my own heart, and remember my chains. Grace be with you. This part of remember my chains can, can seem again like, like maybe he's, he's putting like a tone, like a sober tone at the end. 
But remember what he said at the beginning, verse 7. I want you guys to be encouraged. When he relates his chains, it's about encouragement. And he's saying, when you remember my chains, it's not about feeling sorry about me. It's remembering that I will give my life for this glorious gospel. I live for the gospel. This is what I want you guys to see. And we are in relationship because I live for the gospel and you guys live for the gospel. Paul, he's saying, I'm, taking, I'm writing this down. You know that back then he will, he will say what he was wanting to be in the letter and somebody will write it down. He didn't have like an Apple computer or something like that. Somebody will write it down. But at the end, he took the pen and I say, I, Paul, write this reading with my own hand. Remember my change. I will give my life for the gospel, which means I will give my life for you, the Colossian church. I will give my life. And he's saying, and because we will give our life for the gospel, we will relate to each other. We will protect each other. We will look after each other. We will live in partnership. We are not self-centered. We are an encouragement to each other. There's forgiveness and restoration. We're family. We are all equal. We think about others because we will give our life for the gospel. We will live our lives for each other. We're one family. We are one need. So think what is the reason for you to relate to other people? It is that you don't want to feel alone. It's maybe entertainment. You know, you want a good potluck or a good pumpkin pie. Maybe you want to be in the crew that go to lead us after church. If you try to relate for your benefit, you will never be satisfied. There will always be things that people will not do that you want them to do of things that they do that you don't want them to do, and you will never be satisfied. The gospel will not be informing how you relate with them. Gospel relationships are about dying to self, to serve others, to give ourselves to others. Think, think about this. And do, do you guys put the, the scriptures? Yeah, okay. Because I'm going to go to another book. What, what is the benefit of the gospel? What is the ultimate benefit of the gospel? You know, we can say forgiveness of sin, uh, justification, but I, I do believe that the ultimate benefit is communion with God. We, our sins are, are taken away, we're justified so that we can relate to God. That's, that's what the gospel is trying. It's, it's bringing reconciliation, sinners, to God. And look what John says in 1 John 1, 3, and 4. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. What is that? That's the gospel. What we see and heard, we proclaim to you. We saw Christ. We saw what he did. We saw his life. We saw his death. We saw his resurrection. That we proclaim to you. We proclaim the gospel. So that you, too, may have fellowship with us. Okay, okay. okay. So, so you're proclaiming the gospel so we can have fellowship between you and me? And he's saying, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. So he's equating our fellowship with brothers or sisters with our fellowship with God. Why? Because we are the body of Christ. And he's saying, 
when you are saved, you become part of the body of Christ. And when we're relating each other, we're relating with God. I'm going to be careful because I don't, I'm not saying we're God. No, no, no. That, that would be, you guys will put, burn me in the sticks. <laughs> but John is saying clearly, when we relate, we're relating with God himself because we are the body of Christ. And I think many times we over-spiritualize our relationship with God and make it this kind of like feeling thing. We are, we are like uh, seeking goosebumps, which are great when God gives us those, those kind of feelings. They're amazing. We have feelings and, and God allows us to, to serve them. And, and many times relating to a brother and sister, we don't see it as spiritual. Oh, brothers and sisters, what we're doing right now is very spiritual. God's word is being proclaimed and we're relating to each other. But in that picnic next Saturday, when you guys are relating to each other, when you guys are encouraging each other, when maybe uh, uh, somebody in the church will take and, and, and change a, 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 a dirty diaper that the young couple is just tired of changing dirty diapers. When we're related to each other, we're relating with God. It's a very spiritual thing. So we don't take it lightly. Christ died so we can relate to him and we can relate with his body. And look what verse 4 says there. And we're writing this thing so that our joy may be complete. There's something that John is saying. When the gospel comes to you and we relate to God and relate with his body, there's a fullness of joy because we are in the presence of a holy God. Complete joy is dying to us to serve others. That was what Paul was doing. That's why he was relating this way. He took the risk of, of, of dying to, to himself and his life be one of relationship. So why do we don't, we don't take the... The, the metal detector starts finding a treasure. Why, 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 why we don't take the risk? Because truly, when we are in fellowship, it's a deep treasure. Maybe it's fears. Fear of somebody uh, damaging you. Maybe it's judgment. You're already judging their behavior, and you haven't related with them. Maybe it's unrealistic expectations. You, you want all your joys and everything you need to be fulfilled through this relationship. Maybe it's just laziness. It's easier to stay home and do nothing. Maybe it's lack of being intentional. You take intentionality. It takes to take the calendar and say, I'm going to invite X person. Maybe it's a failed strategy. Maybe you're trying to relate too broad instead of relating deep. If you want relationship, you want a spirit gospel-driven relationship, you need, you need to take initiative. You need to invite people to your home. You need to come to church function. You need to talk with people at the end of the service. You need to open your life and ask for prayers when you're in a difficult situation, but you want to be the one praying for others also. How can I pray for you? Come to church thinking, how can I bless others? 
I needed to do like a running illustration. That's where last time I'm running is a big part of my, time, of my life right now. And I've been training, and I told you guys, actually, next week I'm running a half marathon. In two months, I'm running a full marathon. And so I've been running for a year, and I saw I'm getting better, and all of a sudden I hit like a plateau. Plateau, you know? And I was like flatting out, and I'm training and training, and what's happening? So I'm reading, and all of a sudden, yeah, if you eat fried chicken every day, you know, what you give your body, you know, it will show you. Because at first I was running to eat. I was going to write a book, Run to Eat. <laughs> because I was like, okay, I, tonight, are we having date night, baby? Okay, where are we going? Okay, I need to run three more miles. So I was running to be able to pick out. But then I started running these races. I wanted to get better. And all of a sudden I saw if I, if I eat all this fried chicken, if I eat all this ice cream, it's not going to help out. So I needed to, to also uh, look what I was going intake, what I was giving to my body because my body then was going to give out uh, a result of that. It's the same with relationship. What we give to relationships is what we're going to, 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 to benefit from. And the first thing we give is the gospel. We relate to the gospel. We, we, we're talking with somebody and we start speaking the gospel in that moment. He was saved by the blood of Christ as I was saved by the blood of Christ. And then we give time. We give effort. We open our lives. We make ourselves vulnerable. Brothers and sisters, unity in the church, relationship, it's like a bubble in a lake. Are you guys like thrown like a rock and a little bubble has formed in the lake? They're very fragile. They can pop like this. So we have to like be careful with them. We have to like take care of them. And we have to see what is the base of our unity. The base of our unity is not our preference. The base of our unity is doctrine and our life. And, I, and I'm moving now to 2 Timothy 4 because I think this is what, what was informing Paul's relationship when he was talking with the Colossians. We see doctrine in 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 15. 2 Timothy 4, 14 and 16. Alexander the coppersmith, Demi Graham, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Before, beware of him yourself, for he strongly opposed our message. You see, the reason Paul wasn't related with Alexander, it wasn't because he liked it or didn't like it. It, because, it was because it was a different message. The gospel was altered. So what Paul was basing on relationships, he, you see, he didn't say, he's, he, 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 he has done me great harm because he talked bad about me. Say he has done me great harm because he's speaking something that is not true. It's not the gospel. So that's how we measure relationship and unity. To our message that brings us together. But also our life. Somebody can be speaking the truth, but their life may not be showing that. Verse 9 and 10 of 2 Timothy 4. Demas, do your best to come to me soon. For Demas, in love with the present world, has deserted me and go to Thessalonica. You see what was the division there? He was in love with the present world. He wanted to live for the world. So what brings division in us is not preference. It's not what I like or what I prefer. It's either wrong doctrine or wrong life. 
So we relate through the gospel. You know what I'm fearful of? This is one of the passages that really affect me. Second Timothy 4, 16, 18. He's sending all these things. Paul is in prison. He's knowing he's about to die. He's knowing he's about to go away. I fear that I went up like Paul alone. But you know what? Christ was alone in the cross. And because of that, we will never be alone because he will be with us. Because Christ was alone in the cross. Because Christ suffered the separation of God. We will never be alone. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 16, 18. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. Oh, that has to be hard. You gave yourself to all these churches, your life, and you are by yourself. But all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. Don't you see a, a, a glimpse of Christ there in the cross? But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear. So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every, every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Verse 17, but the Lord stood by me. Because he was alone, Paul was never alone. And because he was never alone, because Christ was with him, he will open his life and give himself to relationship, even though he finished alone. Because the gospel informed him. If we see all those nine pictures that we saw, it is impossible to do that. It's only to the strength that the Holy Spirit will give us. It's only knowing that He will never leave us alone, that we can say, okay, I'm going to open my life. Doesn't matter what's going to happen. Because I know something. I will never be alone. He will be with me. You may be experiencing separation. You may experience difficulties, relationships, but you are not alone. So don't be afraid to open your lives because he's with you because he was alone in the cross so that we can be one body and open ourselves to relationships. Let's pray. Lord, we want to take the risk. We want to take the plunge. We want to give ourselves to gospel-centered relationships, Lord. Allow the reality that because of your you're, you're, you were alone in the cross. You took the wrath that we deserve. You were alone from the presence of God, but you had our sins, Lord. And you carry them. And because of that, we are in relationship with God. And because of that, when we relate to each other, we are relating with God. Allow us, God, to open our lives, to allow the gospel to preach to us, and to be able to, to live gospel driven relationships that are centered on others and not on us, so that the world may see and you may be glorified. Help us repent from our self-centeredness, Lord, and that we may be transformed by the glimpse of Calvary. In your name we pray. Amen.